new to this series, let me sort of give you the history of where we are. Galatians is written to, it's a letter written to, a group of churches in modern-day Turkey called Galatia. These are Celtic Christians who sort of migrated down to what is modern-day Turkey. And, the, and Paul, the apostle, which apostle just means church planter. So Paul's this church planter who, who plants all of these churches around uh, modern-day Turkey. And then he leaves and, and sort of raises up leaders there, you know, raises up elders and pastors there. And then he leaves and goes and plants more churches. And those churches that are there are young, and there's young Christians that are there, just come to God. And these Jewish Christians from Jerusalem come up right, really, as soon as Paul leaves, they come up right behind Paul, and they start sort of telling these brand new Christians, hey, what you've done isn't enough. You need, it's Jesus plus everything else. you got to do all this other Jewish law that we have been keeping, specifically circumcision. you got to keep that in order to go to heaven. In other words, you can't just believe in Jesus. you got to believe in Jesus and be a converted Jew. And so Paul is really disgusted, honestly, that that not, not only that this would happen, Paul goes down to Jerusalem, deals with all of those church leaders in Jerusalem in Acts 15 and 16 called the Jerusalem Council, but, but Paul writes this letter to the Galatians and says, I can't believe this would happen to you. And so really these six chapters are a letter of Paul correcting them and trying to get to God through religion. Trying to get to God in your own effort, doing it your own way. If I, you know, if I just work hard enough, then I can get there. And so we've been talking about how to live, specifically how to live in grace, how to live in freedom, how it's not a license. This is, a matter of fact, last week we said that grace, the best definition I can give you is when what you ought to do becomes what you want to do. Like grace becomes the motivator in my life that it's not a rule that I follow, that it's something on the inside of me that's changed so drastically that it's changed the way I live my life. So we're going to continue on sort of in that line. We've gone Galatians 1, 2, 3. Next week, our tag team preachers are doing 5 and 6. They're going to knock it out of the park next week. I'm going to jump into Galatians 4 this week. I almost never preach this way. If you you stick around City Hills very long, I'm more of a topical preacher. But a couple of times a year, we kind of go verse by verse through the Bible. We did the book of Daniel in June and now the book of Galatians. So let's jump into Galatians 4. We won't start at the top. We'll start at verse 4. Galatians 4 and 4 says this. But when the right time had come, but when the right time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law, and God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us. Listen, he he sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us. And this is the operative. If you're looking at Galatians 4, kind of what this whole this whole chapter is about, it's found right here, so that we could be his very own children. He said, you were, you were a slave, and now he sent Jesus to adopt us so we could be his own children. Verse 6 says, and because we are his children, God has sent the Spirit of his Son, the Holy Spirit, to live inside of your heart. And then, in light of sort of the Holy Spirit working and living inside of you, you're not a slave anymore. Now you're like his children. Now you refer to him as, and, and this is, this is a, sort of a colloquial phrase, Abba, this is the highest way you could talk to a father, Abba Father. This is like the most endearing term, the most intimate term that you could call a father. And he said, because the Holy Spirit lives in you, you're not slaves anymore. Now you're, like his, now you're his children. Now you get, to, you get to have this personal relationship with him that isn't based on rule keeping or religion or denomination. It's based on a relationship you have because you're his child. Now, verse 7, now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. Underline that in your Bible. You're no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are His child, God made you 
His heir. Since you are his child, there's some promises that belong to you and God made you his heir. If I was to title today's message, write this at the top of your notes because everybody who takes notes goes to heaven. The devil hates when you take notes. That's in the Bible. If I were to give you a title today, I want to talk about being sons and slaves. Sons and slaves and the difference between sons and slaves. Write this down. The slave, the difference between sons and slaves, the slave has a master. Somebody you're scared of. When the master's upset, everybody just falls apart. I don't know what's going to happen. God's going to get me. Some of you were raised in a church where you feel like God is going to get me. He's a really old white guy with a really long beard ready to strike me with lightning. Anybody know what I'm talking about there? That's really, honestly, that's the way I viewed God for most of my of my life and he was this master that I was scared about and I didn't know what was going to happen and I didn't know how things were going to come together and I I, I just I had to please him or else I was going to hell things wouldn't be right everything was going to fall apart I would lose my salvation it was just going to be awful I, I read a story about some disciples in Mexico City at the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico City and these these disciples in their sincerity listen from their heart of sincerity, when they approached the church, I watched the video of it, when they approached the basilica, like a, a half a mile out, I mean hundreds of yards away from the door of the church, all of the thousands of them get on their knees and they walk the rest of the way into this basilica on their knees. Like they feel like they have to do penance to this. That, that, that this is going to be, ter- that I, I'm so filthy and, and God's going to be mad at me. And so I've got to, I'm, literally they walk on their hands and knees that this is what God wants out of you. Now look at me in the eyes. While I respect, I, I honestly, I really genuinely respect sort of their sincere desire to please God. That's not what God wants from you. God is not a master who's mad at you that requires that out of you. Shout amen to that everybody. Because the son, listen, if the slave has a master, write this down, the son has a father. The slave has a master that i got to please, i got to make happy, I don't want him to be mad at me, I don't want him to beat me, I don't want him to take away my stuff, I don't want him, I just got a girlfriend, if I, don't, if I mess up, he's going to take it away. I just, we just got this new job, if I, if I mess it up, if I don't do right, God's going to take away my new job. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm telling you, I live my life this way. If I don't, the master's going to be so mad at me, I don't know what's going to happen, he's going to hit me, I don't know what's going to go on. The, the slave always views God like that, and, and, and Paul writes to the Galatian church, listen, some of you are living like slaves. Here's the way I like to say it. it, it in Exodus 6, God says, I want to take you out of Egypt, and then he goes on to say, I want to take Egypt out of you because some of you are you, you aren't slaves to sin anymore like you're not you're saved but you're still a slave on the inside like there's still something inside of you that feels like I'm scared to death of God and I don't know what's going to happen to me but the son he doesn't view God as a master he views God as a father Kids loved being around Jesus. Matter of fact, the disciples were so mad at how many kids would come to uh, come to Jesus when he would have a service, and there would be kids absolutely everywhere and bananas. Like I got two kids. Like I know. If I'm a disciple, I'm like Jesus. Don't why why we do kids church? Don't do that. I just want to be here by myself. But kids love coming to Jesus. You know why? Because there's a relationship that Jesus had like a father. The way that you call someone, listen, determines your relationship with them. I feel like preaching on Sunday morning. Y'all don't know. I'm trying to behave. Uh, however you call The other day I was, I, was, I was in Walmart. This is true. You know it's true if it starts in Walmart. 
If I'd have said Target, I'd have been lying because I don't go to Target. Anyway, so I was in Walmart the other day, and so I'm coming around the aisle, and, and because our church is growing and there's multiple services and, and there's a lot of, there's sometimes, not a lot of people, there's sometimes I, I run into somebody that I don't know or has been attending for just a few weeks and I haven't met yet, and that, that happened to me. I was in Walmart, and somebody yelled out, there's Pastor Rose. Now listen, got no, I, I, I'm very honored that, you, that that's you know, the, the way that they would, but nobody calls me Pastor, nobody calls me by my last name. It's it's Pastor Mitch. It's the only way that normally the people in this church would refer to me or or PM or or, or and so it was so odd because I didn't know who this person was, but they felt comfortable enough to call me that because they'd been attending City Hills for a couple of weeks. Listen, how you call somebody determines the relationship you have with them. We were still not close acquaintances. They didn't know how to refer to me. I didn't even know their name. I'm going to be honest. I'm like, hey, brother. <laughs> because when you get close to somebody, you call them something differently. My kids don't call me Mitch or Pastor. My kids call me Daddy. You understand what I'm telling you? Because our relationship determines what they call me. And your relationship to God determines what you call Him. And if you're scared of God and view God as this angry person ready to squash you and mess you up and take everything from you, then you'll call Him Master. But when you look at God as somebody who loves you enough to send His one and only Son to save you, died for your sin, rescue you, pick you up, give you brand new life, now He's my Father. Shout amen to that, everybody. The Son views Him as a Father. So what does it mean to be a child of God? Like, here Paul sort of tells these Galatians, listen, I don't want you to keep acting like slaves when you've been called to be sons. What does it mean to be God's child? How, 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 how could this happen? And, and I love this language because God could have represented himself any way that he wanted to. God could have said, I'm like, I'm like your, your favorite aunt, you know what I mean? Or I'm like your, I'm like your favorite uncle, or I'm like your best friend, but he doesn't. He, when he relates to us, he relates to us as a father and we're his Children, why would he choose this parent relationship when relating to those of us who are saved? And here's what I really, my hope for you today in the next couple of moments is that you awaken this thing inside of you. You don't have to be scared of God. You're not a slave to God. I'm a child of God. And there's some privileges that come along with being a child of God. That there's this relationship and, and something that I have with God. Let me give you four things. Write these down in your notes. Look at your neighbor. If they're not writing, look at them judgmentally. Right, don't do that, but but seriously, write this first one down. The first thing you get as a child of God is access. You get access as a child of God. When when you're a child of, of something important, you get access. My my son has act my daughter has access to me. I found this picture the other day. Some of you remember this. John F. Kennedy uh, was was president in the 60s. He was uh, assassinated horrifically, but this is his son, JFK Jr., also died horrifically, but but he was a little boy here. This is, if you're not familiar, this is the Oval Office. Uh, the, the, this is the president's uh, desk. This is a, a, a really an amazing place. And here's JFK Jr., the son of the, of the sitting president, the leader of the free world, the most powerful man in the world, possibly, probably. And there's this little boy underneath his desk playing. You know why? Because when your daddy's the president, you don't have to knock to get in the Oval Office. You have access. You've got access to where dad is. The fact that his dad was president gave him access to the Oval Office. You didn't, he didn't have to call and make an appointment with John F. Kennedy to come to the Oval Office. That's my daddy's office. I'm going to walk in there anytime I want to because that's daddy's place. I never have to worry about 
bothering my parents when I call them. When I call my parents, I have access to them. I can call them anytime, all the time. They always want to hear from me because they're my parents. I'm their child. I have access. My kids never, I don't know if your kids do, my kids don't worry about interrupting me. You know what I'm trying to say? Like it never, I could be, I could be in an intense conversation trying to save somebody's marriage and we were crying and they're crying and we're praying. And my little boy would be like, Dada, let me get a snack. Just right, just right in the middle of it, baby. Right now, Daddy's Daddy's being real spiritual right now. I don't even address him in English. I just talk in tongues to him. Daddy's real, Daddy's real spiritual right now. Daddy, let me get a snack. Why? Because he doesn't have to ask permission to come close to me. He has access to me. I'm his father. He has access. I, I, I don't have to worry. He, my daughter doesn't have to worry about interrupt. No, you, you, you've got access to me because I'm your father. Hebrews 4 says this. Listen. So let us come. Everybody shout the word boldly. Come on, shout the word boldly. You can come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. You know why? Because you're a child of the Most High God and you have access to Him. Like you can come right to where He is and there you'll receive mercy and find grace when you need it most. Because when you're a child of God, you have access to God. Shout amen to that, everybody. I'm preaching better than you're amening. I'm being honest. There He is, right up there. you got to stay for second service wherever you are. Number two, write this down. The second thing you have when you're, when you're a child of God, you have access and you have identity. You have identity as a child of God. My father gave me my name, my full name. My parents all of my life have called me by my middle name. My middle name is Mitchell with one L, by the way. If it's a last name, it has two L's. Well, my full name is Mitchell. My mama still calls me Mitchell and not Mitch. But my grandfather's name, my father's father's name was Curtis. So my full name is Curtis Mitchell Rose. My father gave me a family name. Galatians 3 says it like this. You're a child of God because... When, when you come to faith in Christ, you become a children of God. And all who have been united, listen, with Christ in baptism have put on Christ. You get identity when you are a child of God. When you're raised up out of that water, you put on Christ like putting on new clothes. You literally put on Christ like you get a new identity. I tell you, every time we do baptism celebrations, some of you have been known by your past. You're the mess up. You're the problem child. You're the, you're the dumb one. You're, you're never going to make it. Nothing's ever. You're, you, you, you've messed this up. You're the divorcee. You're the problem. You, everything's wrong in your life. But when you come to God in faith, you become a child of God. When you're raised up out of the water and water baptism, listen, you get a brand new identity. Now nobody sees your problem, your mistake, your past. Now you put on Christ like putting on new clothes and everybody sees Jesus, not you. Say amen to that. You can put on Christ and you get an identity. You get named by God. Your identity comes because you're a child of God. You have access to God because of who you are. You have an identity because of who you are. We have a name. We have a... Listen, you, you may not be proud of the heritage you were raised in. Anybody ever go to a family reunion and sit by yourself and look around thinking, I cannot be related to these people. There's no... I'm from Arkansas. I am related to everybody. <laughs> Everybody's related to us. You ever just sit over by yourself and think, I've got to be adopted. I don't know how. I look like my daddy, but I know, I know, I know I'm not from here. 
I'm not from her. You may not be proud of your heritage. You may be the son of an alcoholic, the grandson of an abuser. You, you, you may be the niece of somebody who molested you, messed you up. You, you may have a heritage full of sin and, and, and mess ups and, and a family tree that Brand, Brandy and I were talking about our family trees the other day. Yours may have an old crooked branch over here with a bunch of craziness on it. Anybody know what I'm trying to say on that? Like crazy stuff on this branch that goes over here. But you listen to me. When you come to God, you have a brand new branch. You got a brand new heritage. You got a brand new identity. You are now identified in a family. Your, your heritage goes all the way back to Abraham. You get inside of Abraham. When you understand who you are in relationship to who he is, you understand you have nothing to prove to anybody. Because I'm God's child. I don't have to, you don't have to like me. You don't have to like what I'm doing. I'm a child of the Most High God. My identity comes from Him. I, I have a place in God's family. I have a, when you don't understand your place in God's family, you'll try to do things that only God can do for you. When my children, when your children don't understand their place in the family, they'll try to do If my daughter, who's six and a half years old, got in the car today and drove herself to church, she would be sore. It, it, things would go terrible. You know why? Because it's not right now, it's not her role, her place, her responsibility to drive the car. That's mom and dad's role. She has a role in the family. We have a role in the family. Listen, some of the train wrecks of your life are you're trying to do what only your father can do for you. That God is trying to give you an identity. You just got to be His child. You don't have to worry about striving to be enough. You are enough because God adopted you into His family. Are you awake? Shout amen to that, everybody. I told you my ears are wrong. Y'all could be shouting and I don't know. My identity has nothing to do with your approval of me. It has to do with God adopting me in His family. And He's my father and I'm His child. I'm not scared of Him. I'm not a slave. No, 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 I'm a son. You're a daughter. You belong here. You get access to God. You get identity that comes from God when you're His child. Here's the third thing, write this down. You get an inheritance as a child of God. You get an inheritance as a child. Some of you looking over, <laughs> looking over your family, when, you, when, you, when your folks get old or, or your grandparents, you sort of sit down. And everybody ever looked around and realized, baby, what I thought we had coming to us, we ain't got coming to us. You know what I'm saying? Daddy said he had some stuff, he ain't got no stuff. That I've been waiting on this day. Some of y'all been praying, God, just let Mama die. When Mama dies, I'm gonna get the farm. You ain't gonna get the farm. You ain't, you ain't gonna get. There ain't no inheritance coming to you. you ever, anybody know what I'm talking about? I, listen, they're, they're, they, they may not have a lot to give you, but listen, what you have in this world and what the inheritance you have from them, that is not what is important to you. The inheritance you have as a family from God, that's the most important thing to you. You got an inheritance. Galatians 3 says it like this, and now. Now that you belong to Christ, you're the true children. Listen, we've been grafted in. You're the family of Abraham. So, you are one of Abraham's heirs. So, the promise that God made Abraham, it belongs, everybody shout me. It belongs to you. The promise that God made Abraham belongs to to you, we have been, the Bible says, grafted in. We're a branch that's grafted in. For a branch to be grafted in, something's got to be torn down. There's got to be, something's got to be wounded and cut off. And the Bible said that Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. That wounding of that branch allows you and I to be grafted in. Listen, I'm not blessed because of who I am. I'm blessed because of who I'm connected to.
I'm in this family and in this family there's an inheritance and a promise that the protection and the covenant of God is on my life and it's on your life as a child of God. Shout amen to that. Not a slave. A slave's got to work to earn it but a child says I'm just here in the family. Look at me. Y'all didn't even know this. Some of you, you, you are trust fund babies. You didn't even know you were. God set up a trust fund for you. Some of you thinking, I'm never going to get anything. No, 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 no. You don't understand. God has a trust with your name on it. He made a covenant with Abraham. He said, Abraham, if you'll leave where you are and follow me, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless everything that you touch. And every person that blesses you, I'll bless. And every person that curses you, I'll curse them. Your children will be great. There's greatness inside of your family. Your children will rise up and call you blessed. You'll be the father of faith and of many nations. And my friends, listen to me. That promise is for you. Because God adopted you in that family. And you have an inheritance that belongs to you. Did you know that we have an eternal inheritance? Not just something here, not just, not just stuff, not just better jobs, better marriages, better health. No, no, no. God's given you something more than that. Romans 8 says it like this. Paul says that if we are children, listen, if we're, the, if we're in fact children of God, not just slaves, then we are heirs. We have an inheritance, heirs of God, and this is so vitally important to understand, we are co-heirs with Christ. One, one translation calls Christ our elder brother. That we're co-heirs with Christ. So if, if we share in His sufferings, in other words, if we've died to ourselves, we've obeyed the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that we share in His glory. In other words, when you're a co-heir with Christ, as God's adopted children, everything that Jesus has, you have access to. God, I wish y'all were preaching. with. I want to jump on that chair right there, and I'm trying to behave today and be good in first service. But I'm trying to tell you, whatever Christ has, you have. You're a co-heir with him any power that Jesus had the Bible said he when he left he said greater things than these you're going to do Christ gives us his glory he gives us his riches he gives us all things that he has access to we are co-heirs with the son of the living God and what belongs to him belongs to you you have an inheritance that comes to you that God the promises of God you can be an heir to that and you're a co-heir with Christ. You don't have to walk around with your head hanging down worried. Are we going to be able to make it? Is God going to come through? No, no, no. If God came through for Jesus, God will come through for you. If God came through for Jesus, the Bible said this same God that raised Christ from the dead, it's going to dwell in you. And when it dwells in you, it will quicken your bodies. And on that day, listen, you and I now get the same reward that the Lamb receives. We are co-heirs with Christ. You have an inheritance as a child of God. You get access to God. You get your identity. Your name comes from God. You get an inheritance as a child of God. Here's the fourth thing. Write this down. The last thing. There's some security that comes in being a child of God. You are securely. Listen to me. Don't misinterpret what I'm telling you. You are securely God's kid and nothing can change that. Not even you. You are securely God's kid and nothing can change that, not even you. Now, I'm not telling you you can't walk away from God, but if you've ever been estranged from a family member, just because there's broken relationship doesn't mean they aren't your son anymore. 
It just means the relationship with my son is broken, but you remain a son. Listen to me. You may be far from God today, but that doesn't mean you aren't still God's kid. You are God's child and nothing can change that. You've got security in that. Romans 5 says it like this. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's eyes and God's sight by faith, listen, we've got a peace with God, security that comes with that because of what Jesus has done for us. We have security. We have have access. We have an inheritance. Come on, everybody. We, we've got something that, that, that a slave doesn't. A slave just looks at God and says, I can't believe I have to do all this. I can't believe you would require all of this. But a son says, we have a relationship that I get to be in this family. Shout amen to that, everybody. So when you start looking at, at God as, as your father, listen, when you, when you see God as 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 a good father, write this down. The first thing you got to do when you see him as a good father, then everything changes in your life. You start living in this relationship with God. Instead of trying to serve God out of fear, now you see God as a good father who wants to give you good things. When you come to God, listen close. When you come to God, you really honestly, how, how that happens for you, what that looks like for you, determines your relationship with God. Your view of God can, can determine the relationship you have with God. If you view God as angry at you, mad at you, always out to get you, then you're going to have this relationship with God out of fear and out of guilt and out of shame. But when you view God as a good father, when you see God as a good father who wants to bless you, give things, then, then you come to God out of gratefulness, out of thank. Then you come to church with your hands raised all the time. Why? Because I'm grateful I get to be in this family. I don't deserve this, but I get to be in this family. He adopted me into this family. Matthew says it like this, which of you, talking about a good father, if your son asks for bread, gives him a stone or a rock? Or if your son asks for fish, you give him a snake? If you then, if you, if you know how to treat your, you're evil and you know how to get good gifts to your kids, you know that you don't give stone when they ask for bread or a snake when they ask for fish. If that's true of you, how much more, listen, does your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? It, it, it's hard for you to understand this idea of a good father if you didn't have a good father in the natural. The people I find struggling most with a relationship with God that, have a, that, that see God as a good father, it's because they have a hard relationship with their earthly father. And I honestly believe this is Satan's plan. I really do. I think it's God's plan. I, I'm sorry, I think it's the devil's plan that if he can mess up your relationship with your earthly father, then it messes up your relationship, it distorts your relationship with your heavenly father. That, that you look at your earthly father and you think, well, he left and he, he, he hurt me and, and he wasn't good to us and he yelled at me all the time and he screamed at me and he hit me and, and he left us and, and, and we were destitute. And now you look at the, your heavenly father the same way. Well, I'm scared of him and he's probably going to leave. And it's not. I, I read some statistics the other day about, about fatherless homes. 63%, listen, 63% of all suicides in young people come from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 90% of all runaway children, homeless and runaway children, come from homes without fathers. 85% of all youth under the age of 18 in prisons come from fatherless homes. If the enemy can destroy your relationship with your earthly father, then he can distort your relationship with your heavenly father. And there's this epidemic of, of things that are wrong and we don't see God as a good father because I, I don't see my natural father as a good father. Now we come to God and we're scared of Him like I'm scared of Him. 
and, and, and he's, he's probably going to forsake me like he forsook us. You got to see God as a good father who's sticking around for you, who's helping you and blessing you, not, not out to get you, hurt you, harm you, not holding you to a standard you can't ever get to. No, no, no. God's a good father. You got to see him as a good father. And listen, how you see God is not all of the equation. Write this second part down. You have to see yourself as an adopted child. You have to see yourself as an adopted child. For the first 10 years of our marriage, Brandy and I couldn't have children. For the first couple of years, that was God's miracle because we didn't need no kids. <laughs> we would have killed, we almost killed each other. We sure would have killed kids. But after a couple of years, we started praying and believing God for children, and we couldn't get pregnant. And then a, a few years after we, we started trying, we got pregnant and, and then lost a child. And several miscarriages and hurt and pain and ten long years of infertility. And, and, and I was raised in a, in a, in a very, I'm, I'm thankful for the heritage of high faith, just believing God. And we would walk to the front of every church we were in. And they would lay hands on us and pray for us and believe God and we still couldn't have a child. It was the most heartbreaking thing. Honestly, the first couple of years, I didn't realize how hard it was. But the last several years, and here we are looking at our 30s and looking at 10 years of marriage. And we honestly just said, this may be, not be God's plan for us. And so we began what I think is probably as close to the Father's heart as anything else that you could do. We began the process of adoption. We actually reached out to an adoption agency, a, a friend of mine who runs a fantastic agency out of Tupelo, Mississippi, and, and, and began that process. And honestly, if I'm telling you a lie, I'm, while we began that process with him, we got pregnant again with our first child. We had, we had a beautiful, healthy baby, baby girl. Two and a half years later, had a beautiful, healthy baby boy. Listen, just a miracle from God. We didn't do anything any different. We didn't do anything. Now I make her sleep in the other room, but we didn't do anything any different. <laughs> Adoption is so, is so close to God's heart. Listen, because it doesn't choose you, you choose it. So some people think, well, I finally gave my heart to God. I finally, I, I was trying everything else and I came to God. No, that's not the way God views it. Listen, God chose you. God has this amazing family with all the access, the, the inheritance that you have, the, everything that you have access to with God, the security that you have uh, with God, the, the, the identity that God gives you, all of that stuff, the promises that God made to, to Abraham, all of that stuff God gives you and He chooses you. You don't choose Him. He chooses you. And adopts you into his family. Romans 8 says it like this. The spirit that you received. Listen. The spirit that you received doesn't make you slaves. You don't have to view God like a slave. So that you live in fear. Your whole relationship with God. No, no, no. The spirit that you received. It brought about your adoption to sonship. That I'm not separated from God anymore. I'm a part of His family. And I'm a part of His family because He chose me to be a part of His family. And by Him, now we cry this intimate term. Now we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit Himself testifies. There's something on the inside of me that I know that I know that we are God's 
children. Look at me. You may accidentally have a baby, but you don't accidentally adopt anybody. Nobody's ever accidentally been adopted. I heard a story just last night from a remarkable woman of God called, her name's Lisa Harper. She's a fantastic preacher, author, prolific speaker. And she told her story of adopting 54 years old and adopted a little girl from Haiti. It took her over two years to adopt this, this little girl who had HIV, tuberculosis. And, and, and her mother had AIDS. She didn't know that her mother had AIDS. And she adopted this little girl and took her in. Listen, two painful Years flying back and forth to Haiti. All of the struggle, all of the money, tens of thousands of dollars and corruption and problems. And you don't accidentally adopt anybody. And God didn't accidentally adopt you. God chose you. God's got a plan for your life. God picked you out. God, God has, a, has a destiny just for you and He chose you and adopted you. said, I want Him in my, I want that child in my family. I want Him to be in my family. I, 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 don't, just want, I don't just want something by accident. No, 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 I want to be chosen. When you, when you have that relationship with God, listen, it changes everything in your life. When you view God that way, let me give you a couple of, let me give you a couple of dichotomies. Listen, and we'll pray. I really want to convince you today what Paul tried to convince the Galatians, that you don't have to be a slave. You don't have to look at God that way. You you can come to God as a child. Because the slave has a master. We already talked about it. The slave has a master. The master gets upset and he's so mad at you. But the son has a father. The son has this father that, that, that he loves me right where I am. It doesn't mean he doesn't correct me. But when he does, it's because he loves me. It doesn't mean that it, it doesn't mean that, that there aren't times when I'm separated from him, but I can't ever stop being his child. You don't have to look at God as a master. You can come to God as a father. Here, here's the second one. Write this down. The slave is an employee. I got to work for it. I got, I'm just here because they pay me. I'm just here because so I don't want to go to hell. I'm just here so I go to heaven. I just, I'm just an employee. I'm just, I'm just here to do whatever it is. I, just, I have to do it. I got to go in. I just feel like I, I, I don't even, I don't love it. I don't have joy in it. But I got to do it so I can go to heaven. That's what a slave thinks. But a son, son's not an employee. A son owns the whole business. He's an heir. I'm here because dad's going to give me all of this. I have everything that's available to Jesus is available to me. It's been given to me by my Father. I'm an heir with Him. The slave, write this down, the slave is driven by duty. I have to do this. I have to go to church every Sunday. I I have to do this. That slave mentality, that's ruined a whole lot of parties in your life. Guys, I'd, I'd like to have fun, but I can't. I'm a Christian, I can't. I have to be good. I have this duty that I that I have to do it just right. I get listen when we we I, t- I tell you, we have two small children. I've told you this before, but every this happened this Sunday. I brought my I brought my little boy to church with me in the truck this Sunday because I pastor in Texas. You pastor in Texas, you got to drive a truck, a Ford at that. I said, load up, bub. He loads up in the truck. Hair all greased down with whatever mama told me to put in it. I said, what are we doing? He said, we're going to church. I said, why? He said, because we get to go to church. I said, that's exactly right. Bro. 
We don't have to do this. This isn't my duty. Listen, a son is driven by devotion. I get to do this. The best part of my week is here. I get to do this. I get to serve God with my passion. The people who set up this church this morning at 6.30, while you were still... There were dozens of people in this dirty movie theater cleaning it, setting up this whole church. You know why? They didn't do it because they had to. Nobody pays them nothing. They did it because we get to do this. We get to create a space for people to meet Jesus. We get to set up a space for children to be world changers. We get to set up a space for people who are far from God to come close to Him. I'm not not here because I have to be. I'm here because I get to be. And when this changes in your life, listen, Galatians 4 ends this way. Paul sort of writes this about the sons and slaves, this idea of this difference. And, he, and then he ends this sort of, this, this chapter and this part of his story, this letter of correction to people who've tried to approach God with religion. Here's what he says, formally, back before when you did not know God, you were slaves by nature. To, to things that weren't even God's, like stuff that, like money and sex and relationships and stuff that weren't even, didn't even deserve your attention. You were slaves to those things. But now, now that you know God, more importantly, now that God has adopted you, how is it that you turn back to those weak and miserable forces? Why would you want to be enslaved all over again? It's why the very first thing that this church is built on, listen, the first vision statement of our church, you'll see it on your worship guide. If you're new here, you'll hear us talk about it all the time. The first thing I want you to do is know God. I don't want you to know about God. Because if you only know about God, you don't have relationship. I know about my boss around the corner. He's in the corner office. I know about him. No, no, no. When I know God, that's my father. I know him personally. I I see God as my father. And I come to God through relationship, not through rules. I have access to him because he's my father. And I'm his child. And then I'm going to give him my whole heart. Because I know him. And I'm known by Him. And I'm His child. Close your notes and close your eyes all over the house. Nobody's stirring for about two minutes. Because there's some people in this room who need to make life-changing decisions. This is a holy moment. If you've ever tried to get to God the hard way, you know. You know the feeling of rejection and letdown and Some of you, maybe your relationship with your earthly father has distorted your relationship with your heavenly father. He left, so God's probably going to leave. He failed, so God would probably fail. He was was mean to us, God's probably mean to me. Some of you have tried to live for God. You're doing the best you can. But it's just a slave and a master. It's just, I'm just here because I have to. I'm just here because I don't want to go to hell. And I'm angry. And I'm miserable. And I'm guilty. And I'm full of shame. And You need to come to God like a father. You're his child. and You have access to him today. As a matter of fact, you can come boldly to him today. You don't have to come timidly. You can come boldly. And I'm going to ask you to do that right now. With no one looking around. Absolutely every eye closed. If you want to be included in this prayer. 
If you say, Pastor, I know that feeling of coming to God like a slave. I know that guilt and shame. Maybe you've never come to God at all, given Him your whole heart. Maybe you've never surrendered your whole life to Jesus and followed Him completely. Maybe you've never been raised to life. Maybe that, that for whatever reason, you're, just, you're a son, but you're estranged. You've walked away from Him wherever you are. If you want me to include you in this prayer, I want you to boldly now, like you can come to a father, raise your hands all over the house, say, include me in that prayer. There you are. There you are. I see you. Keep your hand up. I see you. I see you. Keep your hand. I see you in the back. I see you. God bless you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. I see I think. Thank you, ma'am. I see you. Put your hands down. And I can pray this prayer with you, but I cannot pray this for you. You've got to do this for yourself. Come on, everybody in the building. Pray this your own way. Say, Lord Jesus, I've come to you the wrong way. I've come to you out of guilt and obligation and I've treated you like you were my master and I was a slave and I need a father. I need a father to wrap me up when I fall. I need a father to pick me up when I'm, when I'm hurting. I need a father to surround me when I'm scared and hold me when I don't know which way to go. I need a father to give me wisdom about which way to take. You aren't my master. No, you're my father. Jesus, I'm asking you to adopt me and your family today. I'm messed up. I'm, I'm full of sin. I got problems. I got issues. But I give you all of that. Jesus, I believe that you died for me so that you could pay for all of those mess ups. I believe that you rose again so that I could live forever with you. So take me now. Adopt me, not, not, not just another slave in the house. No, I want to be a son, a daughter. I want, to be, I want to come to you like your child with access. I want a new identity today. I receive what you did and I thank you for it. Thank you that you're my father. I come to you like that. Thank you that I can change my whole view and I can come to you like a child. In Jesus' name. Everybody shout a big amen.